This podcast is Entel Enhanced. To see pictures, articles and links of what's being discussed, download the Entel app. Hello, welcome to the Big Scuba Show. Uh, hey guys, um, my name is Samantha Howlett. Uh, I'm a coral reef ecologist, just finished doing my PhD at Lancaster. And I'm here talking to Gemma and Ian about uh, coral reef surveys and tiger sharks. Welcome back to the Big Scooper podcast. We are your hosts, Gemma and Ian. Before we get cracking with today's episode, we just want to make sure you have hit that follow button or the subscribe button, depending on what platform you are listening on. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you enjoy what you're going to hear today, we would really appreciate it if you can leave a review and a five-star rating. So now that's out of the way, we just want to say welcome and thank you for all tuning in. And now it's time to dive into today's episode. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Big Scoop podcast. Thanks for joining us once again. This is episode 127, Jen. Yeah, we are getting through them, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for uh, downloading this episode. And uh, well, f- we're actually gone on to YouTube as well. well we we're, reco- we're having a go on yeah. YouTube, aren't we? Obviously recording outside, which we've not done for a while. It's a beautiful so day. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, why not? And uh, so we thought we'll try a stream on YouTube. So if you have a look, later um maybe you've already seen it and uh, but anyway have a look on youtube up beyond there on our channel yes this is the little intro before we talk to our guest and you'll be able to listen to the guest secret. we often do these don't we as part of the the episode um you know and we can talk about what we've been up to and if you're new to the big scuba channel thanks for downloading and uh, thanks for joining us if you're wondering what it's all about we talk about diving and things underwater uh, what we've been up to yep. and we have guests on like we've got for this episode about what they've been doing and what they're you know usually they've got some news or they've been and doing what they've been up fun. to fun yeah um, sometimes you'll know about them there'll be people who are well very well known and sometimes they're just people like us who actually just like diving yeah and they you don't have to be a diver to listen to this podcast channel. Um, there's always something that you can take away from it, uh, whether it's marine conservation or litter picking. Yeah. You know, just something uh, to make you more aware of the watery world. So this one, we've got um, Sam Samantha Howlett, who's been on before. She was on oh, but over a year ago. Yeah, September 2021. Yeah. yeah. Um, so she's back to talk to us about what she's been up to. Uh, we've been diving in the Farn Islands, which we, we have talk about yeah. that, and uh, we've also been kayaking as well. We had we had uh, a great day North yesterday, Norfolk, yeah. uh, which we'll have a little chat about that and tell you about how you can do something similar as well. Yep. Okay. There's a lot of people into kayaking these days as well. We're trying to cover everything, don't we? Yeah, and we're just making the most of the UK sunshine. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to just show everybody our happy bottle? Yep. So we've well. got our refreshments here. They're this one is of the companies that we work with, and uh, we like to we like our happy bottles. Yep. So happy bottles, and they've got a flip lid, and an easy drinking. Um, if you're looking for a flask or something to keep drinks cold. Um, they come in groovy colours. Go to happybottle.com and use promo code Big Scuba, and you get twenty percent off. There so we go. Definitely worth doing. So, and this is a five hundred mil Christmas presents and birthday presents. Yep, and perfect for children as well. If you want to keep your children hydrated, you've got these jazzy colours. 
Um, they come in like yellows, blues, awesome. oranges, pinks. I've got a black one, but I haven't got mine here at the moment. Yeah, so, yeah, so happy bottles. sand and everything from yesterday. <laughs> You're more organised than me. Alrighty, um, so we're going to talk about, about the farms and what we've been up to, because we haven't recorded since we've been back. No, this is um, another, a new episode. So we went to the Farne Islands. Um, what date did we go? Well, let's mid- backtrack. Where's the Farne Islands? Farne Islands people who don't know. are in northeast England on the east coast. Yeah. Um, or not far from the Scottish border, um, and it's a collection of kind of rocky islands. Really, um, they're owned, and they're very famous for bird life. Yeah. Um, and were famous. Full of puffins. Yeah, famous in the past for um, getting lots of shipwrecks. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah quite a dangerous area. It's about two hundred and sixty shipwrecks on there, and I think the last ship was uh, wrecked there in the early 80s yeah and that got salvaged that's no longer there but there is a lot of wrecks I and mean, we saw a couple didn't we yeah and it's very famous for grace darling who was um the first uh, woman life boat person yeah. yeah so she did a lot an amazing rescue so there's a great museum up Actually, there it's quite an amazing story about her um how she done that well how yeah. they both did because it's a yeah. dad as well uh, yeah got yeah. her into it weren't they? Yeah. and um yeah, definitely Google her and look her story up. Yeah, so look up northeast um, England. It's Northumber- Northumberland, Northumberland. And there's lots of lovely castles to look at and an amazing coastline. Yeah, so you stay in a place called Sea Houses. Uh, they've got a, a good array and very well used to divers um, and bird watchers and people just yeah. want to go and tour the area. But we stay stayed at Sea Houses, uh, which makes a great base because that's the... You know, that's the harbour that you go from. Yeah, it's got everything there. You know, if you need anything, there's a local supermarket, plenty of places to eat, drink, yeah, yeah. lots of variety. And it's uh, it was really good to see it so busy as well. Yeah. So this trip was organised with uh, Crystal Sea Scuba in Norwich. Our local dive centre. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you can find them on uh, scubaforme.co.uk. Um, they've got a range of trips and holidays and you can book, yeah, if you want you know, any courses, uh, Paddy... It's a five-star paddy um, dive centre, so uh, look yeah. them up. Um, and we dived ourselves on Mara Mahor, which is part which Captain Ron. Hello, Ron. Hello, Ron. <laughs> uh, uh, that's part of the Sovereign Diving Limited. Um, yeah, divers, company. Yeah, so th- and Crystal Seas, there were a fairly big group of us, so there were two boats. So we were on the um, Sovereign Diving Yeah, with one. Lee Hall. Yeah. Uh, fine diving services yeah yeah so and uh, we were looked after by a skipper and uh, he took us to all and these the skippers are great and um, because they've spent like donkey's years out there and uh, i'm not trying to age ron uh, <laughs> but you know they've all you know all the skippers no matter what dive boat or what uh company you go with up there all the skippers have all been out there uh since youngsters dived nearly all of them have dived the dives they know um, the tides. Fished them, skipped around them, mm. um, and they know it. And you feel totally safe. Yeah. Totally safe. Yeah. And they always give you a good dive briefing bef- once you reach the site. And then there's a dive briefing about where you should go and where you shouldn't go. Yeah. And, yeah, kind of what you can see. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, get a cup of coffee uh, or yeah. tea. Both are available. Yeah, it'll make a lovely cup of tea. Dives, which is always really <laughs> nice. And then after you dive. Yeah, and we stayed on the boat, so we di- did a dive, and then we had a surface interval for probably a good hour, yeah. good hour and a half, and then we'd move to another location, and in that time we'd have a nice cup of tea, and then do the second dive, and then 
back on the boat, another cup of tea, and then we'd head back to Sea Houses Harbour. Yeah. So some of the dives that we'd done, they got some names. Um, we did, uh, not necessarily in this order, uh, Gun Rock, Little Harkar, North Whamsies, <laughs> North Side Big Harkar, North Stone Long End. Not yeah. made up names. <laughs> um, but they were all really good dives. And Gun Rock was good. I don't remember doing Gun Rock before. No, didn't do it the year there before. a few times. And um, so Gun Rock is literally a rock in the right in the middle of the channel away from the Farn Islands. And um, they're probably, that's probably about what? half a kilometre away from the main rocks of the yes main you can islands. see the main island and, uh, and it's a big rock that's that where a ship went down and there's loads of cannons and yeah real life cannons um, there's some cannons cannonballs and all sorts all, all yeah. dotted around the the rock yeah and we have the instructions the to jump off the boat but not to go in a westerly direction because that would hit Take a, a main bad um, main channel so but we identified a cannon pretty s- soon as we yeah, dropped down yeah, yeah. didn't we there was maybe some cannons sticking up i didn't see any sticking up yeah it's a but we did a bit of research when we got uh, back and yeah there's probably about eight or nine yeah. can- cannons there so it's like a little trail so yeah. hopefully we'll do it again if you go to the farms definitely asked if you can do and I tell you, another one I've done in the previous years is actually blue caps. Mm. And that's another really good dive. But they're all good dives. Um, and the good thing about the Farn Islands is that they're really good if you are a new diver and if you've never dived off a boat before. Yeah, It's a great place um, to get that experience. Well, that was my first boat diving experience last year yeah. when we went to the Farn Islands. So, um, and St Abs, that was the... Yeah. So experiencing, um, obviously jumping off a boat and then getting back on a boat using a dive lift. Yeah, which it's is good. Mm. So it's definitely worth doing. Um, if you haven't, you know, if you're new to dive, or if you, you can do wreck dives, there is deeper wreck. You know, some of our dives were like just a few metres, weren't they? Yes, really? yeah. And, so um, I think the deepest we got was 17 metres. Yeah. And that was one dive, I think. But, you know... <laughs> we hello to um i think his n- name was matt wasn't it who come up to us and uh he was explaining to us that you're not diving unless you're doing 25 meters oh yeah um, um yes which <laughs> not necessarily agree with that but hey you know each our own so for for the the mud uh dwellers who like going down deep and getting in there you can um, go you can deep get depth. yeah you can. yeah there is th- there's yeah. wrecks out there of all sorts of depths and we actually saw some divers on another boat and they had rebreathers yeah so, yeah. so that you know you can it, it, it's a it's a area which kind of you know uh, it's, it's got something for everyone something yeah. for everybody of all different levels and uh, but you what you're best to do is if you are looking to go um if you haven't been before is when you book up speak to them and say you know this is the level of diver i am this is the type of diver i'd be looking for yeah and then the, the skipper knows yeah. who he's got on the boat and um whether he's got newbie divers or whether he's got really experience yeah and um, they should ask for your dive cer- certificate certificates and medical forms certificates. certificates yes so and we've actually had our email to fill in our bits and pieces for our next trip so yeah yeah. Yep. So uh, it's good. You know, it's all about being being safe and being aware. So best bits of the Farn Islands? Um, I think what was I saw we saw one of these uh, really big um, 
what's the name? Jellyfish. Uh, jellyfishes. And uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's the brown one. Lion's mane. Lion's mane. Mm-hmm. And we were on one of the dives and we just come around the corner and in the monks, in the, um, not particularly well lit, it was, it was quite dark, wasn't it? Quite a bit yeah. gloomy. It was a li- the vis wasn't a hunt. And this, it just hung there. It just, in between <laughs> the kelp. Yeah. And it looked really eerie. It was almost like a top hat, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was big. It was <laughs> like the size of a small bin. On a yeah. Big, it was quite a big one. And it just like dangling. I, I said to you, go and have a look. <laughs> I go, nope. <laughs> go and have a look. Because I know it's got lots of long tentacles. Yeah, <laughs> you didn't want to go and have a look. And, um, kind of kept, kept back from it. Yeah, but, um, but we also saw that was awesome. one from above the water. We went to St Abbs Harbour, which is in Scotland, just an hour up the yeah. coast. And we saw one there. Yeah. And that... It, was just kind of it was definitely just floating and moving in the harbour that's and amazing that's, yeah, yeah. I, th- I find jellyfish uh, quite amazing really yeah. to see. other jellyfish we saw are moon moon jellyfish yeah. so they've got um they're quite distinctive and i think we saw some compass jellyfish as well yeah. Yeah. um but yeah it was lovely to see so much nudie marine branch, life if you like your nudie branch a lot of divers do you know, yeah there's all, little uh, creatures little all, critters yeah all low man of little critters yeah. going around um Starf- crabs Oh, we saw lots of crabs and lobsters, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. yeah, and we saw quite a few blue lobsters, which are particularly rare, but we saw more than one, didn't we? Yeah, so yeah. I think all the ones are all I think blue. they're all blue, yeah. So um, crabs we saw, starfish, um, amazing colour seaweed or yeah. sponges. Yeah. Um, fish, we saw wrasse. Yeah. Big shoal of mackerel. mackerel. That yeah, was awesome, shoal. yeah. And they were jumping out the water, weren't yeah. they? And that's my first... Well, my first experience of being within a shoal of fish big shoal like that and that's in the uk and they are all decent size as well yeah yeah and you know again uk diving there is so much to see i've not dived abroad yet but i'm quite happy with what i'm seeing in the uk there's something great um about uk diving you know every every, everywhere has got good diving we spoke to people in america got great diving you know north carolina yeah around there's florida you name it um red sea yeah as granted you know warm waters clear viz <laughs> guaranteed virtually and you know pretty lots of pretty fish but uk offers cold water diving mm-hmm. generally apart from the summer you know uh and yeah it, you can be at two meters we've done this we've been in the water with seals yeah puffins all sorts all of this life of, around us uh you know Fit, uh, crabs and lobsters are all scurrying around as well and you think well how much more do you want yeah you know? yeah no it really like as soon as you get off the boat you think wow it's yeah. just yeah yeah there, there is and uh so you know if you haven't been there uh it's worth putting that on your uh to-do list yeah bucket for, list for, for uk diving year, maybe, yeah is uh, get up there and um yeah definitely seek it out and we we go up there with our paddle boards as well yes because you know it's like all dive sites especially at the sea they can you know if there's the wrong current wrong wrong wind gets up yeah if it gets a bit windy (coughs) we've had that in previous years and um it's good get we take paddle boards up there because there's some great places up there where you can get out there with paddle boards yeah lovely sandy beaches so yeah if we did did get blown out diving then we've got something else to get out on the water so but yeah water temperature was quite chilly yeah Yeah. previous years it's been about sort of like 15 
16 and last year i was in my semi-dry suit yes but this and i was snug as a bug in in that (laughs) and a rug (laughs) this year um it was max temperature was 12 degrees and it was actually not all that warm out the water either no and it did feel cold i think i was in my snug o3 yeah and i was in my hydra fourth element with thermals underneath but i think we both felt the cold under the water at various points it was quite chilly Mm. chilly. yeah and i think there was one we did jump in at one point and i really felt cold on my face yeah so yeah yeah it's quite chilly this time and uh, so i don't know why that is so maybe current from somewhere yeah but the water temperatures i mean that's obviously northeast england but they're definitely warmer here aren't they? they are also um people need to be aware as well is um which is slightly different from being diving on the south is that it's more salty up there so, mm. um so you actually need more weight uh to get under yes you do on the south part of the country so how many extra kilos do you have out of fresh water into salt water i add on two extra kilos and so do i yeah um to uh for that i could probably get away with a bit less if i really wanted to but Mm. i've normally just put on two it's it's just been fine for the sake because they were quite shallow dives as well so maybe a bit more weight um, some of them and um you know you've only got to take a big breath or something like that and you know with with waves and whatever yeah you could go up if it you're happened not to me didn't it if you're not mm. you know if you're not um on your a game or if you're not just you know get it wrong it, yeah. it can take you up yeah yeah quite easily so yeah. but yeah so you were in your o3 suit and i was yeah fourth element dry yep. suit yeah yep. so, so uh, yeah we're up in september i will take my semi dry um and see what happens yeah i'm going to take my o3 dry suit this yeah. time yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah good good they're, they're a good suit so yeah and give it a go so yeah okay. so yeah we'll be back there in september um and then we have been well i did a uh, quick quick should s- mention i had a problem with my regs on one of the dives you did yeah um we had to abort our dive on one of them yeah well yeah. we didn't even get hardy in it no <laughs> that's really weird but on the first dive my regs were absolutely fine second dive leaked like a sieve yeah and so. it leaked, where it leaked was actually on the where the fibres of the hose goes into the side of my um, regs. Yeah, so there was no fixing it on the boat. No, it, it, no. It, the whole thing, the actual joining had, had gone. Yeah. Which yeah. they've done a fair, fair few dives, to be fair. And, yeah. you know, they just, I think they've just done wear and tear of it. Yeah, so so that was a obviously a boarded dive, but we carried on snorkelling. Probably could have, I probably could have carried on because yeah. we weren't going that deep, and I did have a fifteen litre tank. But well, we had to be safe, so we snorkelled instead, yeah. didn't we? Yeah, so, yeah. That was just as good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. That's right. That was good. Yeah, yeah. So, in talking of snorkelling, I did a quick snorkel in the week. I did a up in North Norfolk. Oh so, yes, the yeah. Sheringham Trail. Yeah, so we did it on high tide, so visibility wasn't great, but it was good just to get the experience in and uh give it a go we saw some crabs yeah so but yeah we'll definitely do it again in the waterfall uh probably about half an hour yeah yeah so you had a a five mil wetsuit on and they got markers up there haven't they for people who don't know the area yeah there's a boy out there um so i think it's probably best to do it on a low tide um and then you've got a little walk out and then a shorter swim right Um, but even you know we we didn't see anything um out fairly deep but we came back into shore and we saw some crabs and yeah, yeah. plenty of sea life on the we should um, probably say that you know for people who don't know where Sheringham is that it's on the north 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 coast. norfolk coast yeah so but yeah if you google Sheringham chalk reef snorkel trail you'll be wowed yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, it's worth doing, you know, and just again, not very deep, you no. know, and uh, for people who, you know, are new to it all. Yeah. And uh, you can have great fun. Yeah, and again, it's obviously a short window because of the visibility disappears. It does, so, unfortunately, yeah, on our so. coast. So uh, yeah. gotta get, now's the time to get out there and, in, and enjoy it. Like we did yesterday. Yeah. So we had yesterday, we were went to off, well, we went to Blakeney Point. Uh, and you find Blakeney Point by going out from Morston Keys. Yeah, that was where we parked and uh, launched our kayaks from and then took a paddle out to Morston, uh, Blakeney Point. Yeah, so it's right on the, uh, the top of uh, North Norfolk. Uh, beautiful part of the world. Lovely. Um, yeah. National Trust. But there's a big but. This is the first time I've been up there where there's been jet skis. Shocking, wasn't it? It was for somewhere so remote and wild. I'm being an old fart about all this, right? I, I'm not, you know, I've been on jet skis, I've used them, great fun, right? In the sea, you know, or somewhere where, where there's not wildlife to the point. But when there's a hundred seals in the water and you've got other crafts, so that you've boat. got us yeah. with the kayaks, you've yeah. got sailing boats. And then you've got idiots on a... And I have to say that word. Well, I think we can classify them as that because... Because there's no awareness. thought about anyone else. No. Going full pelt. And, I, you know, and I don't know what speed they were doing, but they must have been doing 50, 60, yeah, if not was, more. They literally had the throttle fully open and were just gunning it up the channel. Up and down the channel. And you're like, hang on a minute. You've got seals in the water. They don't know any different. And they don't swim and you're just flying up and down where all these seals are. Mm. And the noise pollution. Well, that's one thing. But I just kind of think, you, you, that's not the place to, to open up a jet ski. No. It was quite disappointing to see because we've... And I've never not seen that before. No. Not there. No. No, we've done that paddle before and we've always had it. There's been sailing boats and a few like fishing boats, motorboats, yeah. but nothing like this. I've used them on Halen Island. Braid and water uh, abroad, you know, there, there's places where you can really have fun with a jet ski. Tow us, uh, water skier, yeah. open it out, open them up the taps, see how fast it go. The lot have fun, great fun. I, lo- you know, I love yeah. a jet ski. We've got dedicated places, uh, we've got the Norfolk Broads, so but inland water, there are dedicated places. I, I can't believe that is the best place to, to go and use them. Right. So, if anybody's got any comments or has to have your thoughts, yeah. Yes, yeah. So, but yeah, we were a little bit shocked. Um, Was a bit, yeah. And the speedboats, there's speedboats up. There's loads of speedboats, and generally, that most of the people who've got speedboats are pretty aware. And they were considerate to us when yeah. they slowed down when they saw the kayaks. So we ha- didn't have any like major wash, but yeah. Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that, to be honest. Yeah. But anyway, we'll see what happens next time. Yeah. We'll get um, some windows, tide windows, and weather windows to get back up there. Yeah. So look up. Google Maps, good place to start. If you don't know where uh, Blakeney Point is, um, and look up Morston, and uh, yeah, it's, worth, it's always yeah. worth a trip. We saw the the wreck of the Yordis up there. Oh yeah, I forgot yeah, about that. Yeah, Blakeney Point. Um, so it is um, in the sand, but that um, sunk in 1916. Wow! So, wow! Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's good to see a bit of history, and yeah, I think well, there's plenty of wreck in North yeah we've done an, one um in the past which is just further round um to the west um on skull uh, skull head island which is just a fur- little bit further round where you go out from brancaster yeah, and uh 
but you've got to be really careful. It's a place where you can't just walk to. That's a place um, because the tide comes in really, really fast, faster than you can walk. So, um, but there is there's a wreck out there, and you can actually walk around it at low tide, which we've done HMS Vina, which was used Second World War for target practice. Yeah, so you've certainly got a lot of history up there. There is, yeah. Uh, so if you're in the area and you're holidaying and you're thinking of what what to do, there, there's there's some places there to go and look look at. Alrighty, well, we better get uh, Samantha on and have a chat. Yeah, so Samantha Howlett, we have spoken to Samantha before, but she's now, um, she's a doctor now, isn't she? Yeah, doctor, Dr. Howlett. <laughs> so, yeah, she tells us all about her experiences in the Maldives, wasn't it? Yeah. She went and about the amazing diving life. Yeah. She does so, uh, and she's done some fascinating works in the past when we spoke to her. And uh, yeah, this is more more good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this is yeah, 127 episodes, and Samantha Howlett. Awesome. Welcome to the podcast, and um, Gemma, uh, Sam, who are with us, and uh, we're going to talk about everything that you want to uh, chat about. So, what have you been up to since the last time you was with us on the podcast? Well, I actually finished my PhD since I spoke to you guys. Uh, Huge relief. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, you have to call me Dr. Howlett now. Wow. (laughs) Sorry, Dr. Howlett. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's just great because that was like over four years worth of work and to finally um have it all done and then do my defense where you have a panel that asks you questions about all your research which was very daunting so we got all that done and yeah it was just great to have that finished and look back on everything that I've done uh and then I found a new job wow so taking a little bit of a change um so it's less going to be doing research um and it's not specifically with coral reefs so I have a job with a company that does monitoring of wildlife and biodiversity using genetic approaches. So like environmental DNA. Okay. So basically if you have like a lake and you have all the different animals moving around, they like skin cells or like mucus or pee, like traces of themselves in the water and you can collect that water and you can use fancy machines to analyze it and looking for all the different types of DNA and it will say, oh, an otter was here, or you have like gar, or, and you can get so much data through like through this approach. Um, and it's really cool. So I did it as part of my PhD. I did a chapter where I did eDNA. And, uh, and you get so much data, but only academics use this. And right. the company is now basically trying to approach all these different organizations that monitor for wildlife and say, hey, are you interested in using this as part of your monitoring um, program? So my title is business development manager. So I'm helping to get them business and getting like clientele and saying, hey, like, look at this amazing technology we have. Um, really- so the technology of the collect and the DNA. So it's basically doing genetic analysis is kind of like a black box. People like, don't understand it. It's super right which is why only academics use it so the company now breaks it down into like to make it more simplified so they say this is what we can do this is the sort of data we'll get for you and we'll work with you to help you interpret that um so it's still quite complicated yeah they do a lot of work in the background to kind of like guide the research and the project to fit it to the different um 
to whatever the project needs are. So wow, that sounds amazing. It you, was a random done, job that came out geez. nowhere. You've done a lot of diving in your past, all different parts of the world and what have you. So are you still using diving in your in the work as part of that? Unfortunately not. But um, one of the things that will be great is the company now has like a marine kind of like, um, they, they've. it looks like they've split into terrestrial marine research. They right. have someone who's a coral reef ecologist there. So hopefully like my knowledge will help kind of bring in uh, or apply to new projects in that sort of area so that, that would be great is this like an emerging uh technology that is now coming out so edna has been around for about like 10 years or yeah more. but the collection and um you know is it now you it's a technology that is now emerging of collecting the dna of through the water system no none of that is new it's oh, right. like making it known to mm-hmm. come and making it more commercialized and stuff um so yeah it's crazy like to have this technology you get so much information but people just don't really understand it and know how to apply it um so yeah and no, i'm really excited come back to be so what getting does, all these different projects in what does e stand for in the dna bit environmental Right. Okay. Any DNA that's left in the environment. So, you know, you can collect soil, you can collect water, any of these sorts of things. Right. That's a- so if you're in a, um, what sort of um, environment would this be there? Are we talking, because first of all, first off, are we talking abroad or are we talking U- UK based? So a lot of the projects that they've had so far are based in Europe. Um, yeah. you know, one of the really cool projects they did Uh, I believe it was in Sweden and there's lakes where for 30 years to monitor the fish population, people would go out with nets and lines and record what species they would catch. Yeah. So nature metrics went and they did one like trip of collecting water samples. So you could collect multiple samples for replication and stuff. And they found more species through doing this approach than they had detected in 30 years of fishing. Yeah, it's it's incredible how much information you can get from that. Right. Okay. But if you are going to, I'm just trying to work out how this works. So if you go into a piece of water and you get, I don't know, uh, what we get a little tiny sort of sample amount of water, how do you then, how do you then break that water down to then think, right, I can tell there's a pike bit in this water or there's a perch because there must be thousands of dna in uh a piece of water so how yeah. do you, you know split all that up so it, get, it can get quite complicated so first of all you'll take like i think it's around five liters of water what they normally do and they push it through a filter so all of that material is collected on the filter and then that's what you analyze um and you know you'll have like some of the dna DNA breaks down over time, which is why Jurassic Park probably won't happen because... No, can't say that. that long. <laughs> you can't so, say that. So if it's been like a few days and depending on the conditions, the DNA will break down. So hence why you have to do regular sampling for it to be fresh mm. uh, and for it to be, you know, intact so that you can pick up all of like the code and stuff. And, and then when you analyse that, you have like what you call different markers, gene markers. So you target different areas um, 
to, to identify. And depending on the markers you use, sometimes it's easier to identify mammals versus invertebrates or fish or something. So there's all these different things that you consider when you analyze it. Um, and then afterwards you look at like the quality of like how that read comes out and you might be like, okay, well, we're quite certain that this is real, but then there might be somewhere there's like not quite full match. And so you're not sure. And so there's a lot of filtering and going through afterwards. Yeah, um, mm. So yeah. when they're planning, like, you know, we're, we're just going through this real uh, uh, heat wave and drought. And I was reading something the other day that they're looking at different, places um for potential future reservoirs and um you know looking at changing the planning permission how they could do that and i suppose if some council somewhere said right um this valley we could potentially flood in years to come uh, and reserve water would they then come to someone like yourself and you know with this uh, ability to catch water and then use that to see what fish and other uh i suppose what other animals are, are using that water or what area yeah for sure so i mean that's that's quite a good example so if you establish a new reservoir at the beginning you're going to have limited species and you'll probably only have the species that you've stocked then over yeah. there will be migration and new species will come in so by sampling over the years you can then show oh well now we have species appearing that we mm. did before and things like that and and that even applies to um like not even species that live permanently in the water so otters and things like that or beaver maybe um so yeah it, it's perfect for that sort of thing and doesn't the cleaning process that you know um uh, that in modern m water networks, I'm talking about, you know, how, you know, um, so uh, the word um, sewage gets broken down and cleaned and processed through the system. And then that water uh, comes back into the system. And that's, and that's virtually the same anywhere, especially in Europe. Um, they're virtually all the same. So would, you, would that not affect any of the DNA that's in the water? So treated water would, would be affected. One of the things that they use to uh, clean water and for our drinking water is chlorine. Um, yeah. That breaks down DNA as well. So, um, uh, and bleach and things like that. Um, all these sorts of things that process would, would affect it. Um, but yeah, I mean, so one of the ways that you can use uh, eDNA is to even just look at the microbial communities and I'm pretty sure they would test the post-treated water to see what the microbes would be and if there would be any harmful bacteria so, so you can test specifically for the microbial communities and yeah. I would hope that there's someone out there monitoring <laughs> well, I'm sure there is yeah, I'm sure there is yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it's yeah. really good. Yeah, you've got some kind of yeah job to go to after all this hard work. Yeah, and a really interesting one. So it, it just came out of nowhere um, on LinkedIn. Someone said, hey, random job offer. And yeah, I'm glad it came through because it sounds like a really interesting company to work for. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you've also been out in the Maldives and got lots to tell us about that as well, haven't you? Yeah, so I kind of um, postponed submitting my PhD for a month uh, because I got the offer to go out and survey in the Maldives. 
and I couldn't really say no. That's cool. <laughs> um, it's fine. PhD got finished anyway. Um, and yes, I would love to talk to you about the island I went to because um, it was very, very special. Um, I Just the marine life that I saw there was incredible. And um, and I've just finished writing like the summary of the results I did. So um, basically, there's this island in the southern Maldives. I call it Fuvamula because that's how it's spelled, but the locals pronounce it Fumula. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and not that long ago, there really wasn't any tourism there. So it was <coughs> there and they would fish for tuna. Uh, and it was just a small like fishing community there. Right. And I think a couple of years ago, someone who was a social media influencer went and did some diving or swimming and just had this footage of them swimming with all of these tiger sharks. And it went viral, basically. Um, and so since then, uh, the tourism has just exploded. Wow. And, um, yeah, like there's, there's multiple dive shops now establishing themselves and, and capitalizing on this. And it kind of, it's like the wild west. There's no regulation. There's lots of people trying to get a stake in this like equity of, of the, the wildlife and the, and the tourism there. Um, but the dive shop that I went to work for is owned by local Maldivian people. And, and they see this development going on and they see like how much it's growing. And they're just really worried about the sustainability for the future. Because mm. so I was talking to the guys that work there, and where they do the dives with the tiger sharks is near the harbor. So traditionally, the fishermen would come back with their catch, they'd come in the harbor, they'd clean the catch, and then they throw the leftovers over the side of the boat, and the sharks just cruise around and have a nice easy meal and clean up. All right. This has been going on for decades. And the only thing that's changed now is they're putting divers in the harbour. More more people, yeah. And, uh, and apparently in the early days, there was no sort of system and boatloads of people would just be piling into this harbour and you've got like sharks everywhere, people everywhere. And they were like, this, this just can't go on. We need to structure this. So now they, they're like, the, and I think the main push really came from the local people as well. So now they have a rotor. So each dive shop gets a certain time each day and they change. And that's when your company is allowed to go with your guests to go. Mm. So, so it's a lot more regulated, but, but the local people would like to have more regulation. So, for example, there's no limits or restrictions on how many people you can take there. Big dive shops get the like um, cruise ships come by, and apparently they've had like twenty five people plus just like in the har- this little harbour, and and they 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 think that's fine because the more people they have at one time, the more money they make. Yeah, yeah. but but it's not sustainable. So so the local and also all of these people coming in puts pressure on the ecosystem. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that I saw, it was really funny, actually. I was sitting having a drink with one of the guys in the evening and he was like, how many hotels have you seen being built? On this <coughs> I was like, there's quite a few hotels being built. How many people can stay in each of these hotels? Okay, well, probably like a good sort of 50, 100 or whatever. And it's like the only thing you go to do there is diving. There's only one kind of beach and it's, 
they're not thinking about the future. They're just like, okay, people want to come here. Let's build, let's develop. But the, the, the harbour and the port is not going to be able to sustain that number of people to come diving. And yeah, all a bit crazy at the moment. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I did, uh, which Inna asked me to do, is to do a baseline survey of the reef health. So people go there because they want to see the giant pelagic manta ray. They want to see thresher sharks. They want to yeah. see tiger sharks. They want to see the whale sharks. They want to see the big stuff. Um, but but the reef is also amazing as well. But with all with all these impacts of growing tourism, mm. no idea what's going to happen in the future. So the idea was to do some surveys, get some baseline data, look at what we have, and then that lets us monitor for the future. So if you do regular monitoring, you can see if you're losing biodiversity, you can see if like the corals are changing. Um, and so then you can look at management. But one of the other things I think the locals want to do is basically like looking at the data I collected and I compared it to the IUCN report for all of Maldives. And Fuvamula has like the highest coral cover, the highest coral diversity, like really big... <coughs> communities of these big parrotfish like is crazy healthy is is amazing so the the southern part of the island is a unesco biosphere reserve right um because it's acknowledged because of all these big pelagic species um, but what what in a, and the other local people would like to do is kind of designate the entire island um, mm. because like what's the chances of that happening well, there's a lot of pushback because the more you restrict, the more you restrict business opportunities and tourism and yeah. You still can have country. business though, can't you? The environment and <coughs> business can work together um, for the good, well, for the greater good of them both. But it's a case of if it suddenly becomes too balanced towards business and expanding, what loses out is the environment, i.e sharks and the reef and and then you've that's all you know that's one thing and i suppose when you start getting more and more people turning up you've got sharks in the middle of, the, of all this mm. and they're not changing they don't know they've got to change behavior and they've got to move away um that's not a good yeah. recipe is it it's not, uh, but the problem is, is everyone's just thinking about the moment and yeah. how much money they can make right now. And like you say, it's boom and bust. Like you can make money on the asset of the community and the reef that you have now. Yeah. You put too much pressure, then it's not going to be there in the future. And like Inna has this amazing vision for the island to do it in the right way so that the reef how the reef will be there for like generations to come and it will continuously be like this amazing beautiful place yeah and um but that means that you have to restrict at some level and um so for example galapagos the island yeah. there are like a it's, it's the whole area is a marine park and you pay a park fee which goes towards managing that area when you visit and I do believe you, there's restriction to numbers annually, but it's a big area. So something like that would be great. Sounds like the perfect idea. Mm. Making that case to the government. <laughs> yeah. See, I never get this, you know, and you see it on a small scale, you know, just even in this country where um, 
and somebody shared actually uh to, i think just today <coughs> you know, people go to they'll they'll go to a nice part and say right let's go there we'll go there on holiday because that's a nice place to go it's a nice place to visit and then when they go there do they take the litter away with them or do they just chuck it out the window? You know, I, yeah. I never understand that mentality of where a lot of humans, not saying all, but a lot will go somewhere where it's really nice, then kind of conquer it and take over and we'll build these great big hotels and other great places. And then people go, well, actually that's not as nice there now because mm-hmm. it, it looks like, Oh, all the other places, yeah. Mm. You know, and I think you, the yeah. point about you've what you raised about Galapagos is is brilliant because maybe that's the way it should go. If you're going to reserve a, a, a landscape and also, you know, have a great partnership between the environment, you know, these people, the locals that they're, they're looking for an income, and mm. instead of hunting the, the the sharks and the mantas and everything else, they can actually show people what great parts and what great animals they are and rather than hunting and that so it, you know it can work if managed yeah and it's 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 great like i i think in is an amazing person he, he's 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 got a very good vision for the island so maldives as an as an island's chain they struggle with fresh water for local people to drink so right. the source of fresh water is bottled water being shipped in and like like Inna's funny, it's like, yeah, but you still have to recycle all the plastic. And yeah. plastic is not actually easily recycled. He's yeah. like, we need to have water filtration. We need to have a better way so that we can have water to drink rather than having to rely on this. And so he's trying to push for, for that, um, yeah. push for more solar and things like that. So um, just ways to minimize the pressure on the environment and stuff, all these different aspects. Um, so that it can is um but yeah i was just very impressed with his his forward thinking of like okay well we have to act now to really make sure that what we have is going to be there in the future but that must be awesome be involved in a project like that i was very lucky to get invited and it came completely out of the blue. (laughs) yeah Uh, the way that i got invited to work on this project was a girl who I knew from French Polynesia. So when I was doing my PhD, she was a research assistant for someone out there. Yeah. Really lovely girl. And she went on holiday to visit the islands and she got talking to Inna um, after diving there and, and his ideas. And, and they mentioned about doing coral reef surveys. And she just said, Hey Sam, we've got this project. Are you interested? And I was like, well, technically I have time. I don't have a job right now where I have a month's holiday. Yeah. Um, like it, it means I delay my PhD a little bit, but um, yeah, I, I can come. So that, that was literally a couple of months before I actually went out. It was, it was wow. how it came yeah. It's all about people, isn't it? And connections and who you yeah. Really, yeah, where it all leads. Yeah. yeah, you never know like who you bump into, like what it could lead to. But, but no, the diving out there was amazing i saw so many tiger sharks it was crazy and and the interesting thing for me is i'd never done like a proper dive with a shark dive um like that so i've done dives where you go out and there's a big 
on the reef where it's centered and then the sharks come to the area but they're not right in front of you like they are in the harbor and I was really worried about like I I was quite nervous actually uh, because they're big sharks so Um, what we talk we talk like two meter sharks so there were full-grown female tiger sharks oh wow uh, the, the females get larger. I'm trying to think, is it like around four meters? Yeah, they get quite big, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but actually I was really impressed with how the guys ran the dives. So they give you a very thorough briefing beforehand of exactly what you're going to be doing, how you should behave at all times. All right. And so the way the dive runs is you have the harbour and at the edge of the harbour, it kind of slopes down. Yeah. Everyone swims over and they sit like next to the ledge, peering into the harbour. What sort of depth are we talking? So it's about five metres, seven metres. Okay. You've got boats going overhead, coming in and out of the harbour. Oh, <laughs> and one of the things the guys say in the dive briefing, which I think is awesome, is they're like, the boats are far more dangerous than the sharks. Yeah, I bet. Sure, you watch your buoyancy, stay down low um, and stay still. And and yeah. So you either kneel down on the sand or you're behind this ledge and the, the guys are in the harbour and the boat goes over and they drop some tuna heads. And quickly the guides will take the tuna head and then bury it under some rocks before the sharks get the chance to smell and come in. And so what the sharks do is they can smell the food and they just kind of cruise around the harbour looking and then they'll... Where is it? They're going, where is it? It's here somewhere? Yeah, yeah. And like... The first dive I did, there was three tiger sharks just kind of cruising around and really wasn't scared at all because they are so slow and chilled. Like they they just literally like just cruising, just really gently cruising. There were a few small male tiger sharks that were like zipping all over the t- like place when I was there. They were more unnerving because you don't know where they are. Right. The big ones tend to move quite slowly and... And it was just incredible just to watch these animals just like swimming around and doing their thing. And after a few minutes, like I wasn't scared at all. I was just in absolute awe. Yeah. You know, you have the guides positioned (laughs) you, so they're constantly watching behind you to see what the sharks are doing. So they were in control of the situation the whole time. Um, And then, yeah, at the end of your hour or whatever, then you just swim away from the harbour and then you out towards the boat and, it was really yeah. amazing yeah it was really cool um uh, and then I've been there when there was like more like 12 sharks plus just literally all around you like huge full shot full was your heart pounding as you're dropping down thinking first time with sharks yeah yeah but actually so the first time I dive the first few days I dived with the group and did the tiger shark so it was to get used to how to behave around the sharks and just kind of get comfortable. Right. When I did my coral reef surveys, I went off with just my dive buddy. So it quickly went from a situation where you're one of like 10 individuals in a group to just two of you, Ah. five, and then there's tiger sharks all around you. That was a very different experience. And when you've got your head in the reef looking at coral, you forget. And then you suddenly look up and you're like, oh, my God, there's a shark, like, right next to me. (laughs) And in the end, me and my buddy who was surveying, we were like, right, we need a system. One person will survey down the tape and the other one will be a shark spotter. 
Yeah. Ducks know when you're not looking and they get really curious. Really? It's really unnerving because they'll come right in to check you out. So we had to have one person spotting to keep an eye out just to make sure. And um, yeah, that was that was a bit worrying. They're very inquisitive, aren't they? How they want to know, you know what are they <laughs> doing? What are they what are they doing there? Yeah, they were they were just literally coming in to see what we were doing and checking us out. Um, and to be honest, as soon as you turn around and look at them, they're like, and then swim away. <laughs> so it was fine, but you just don't want to risk no. when they're wild animals, aren't they? That's the whole thing. They're wild animals and we're in their world and yeah. we've got to give them respect. Yeah, for sure. Um, the only time I, my heart really was going was at the end of a survey, uh, which was literally in front of the harbour because we would try to survey all around the island. So we were near the area where all the sharks come to get the food. And we swam out to do our safety stop because you have to swim away from the reef so the boat can come and pick you up. Right. My buddy were back to back, tank to tank with this tiger shark circling us. <laughs> no way. And yeah, it was like, you could see it looking at you, you know, literally making eye contact with you. And we were like, we can see you, buddy. Like we we're horizontal in the water, making ourselves look big, just nice and calm. And eventually after he circled us for a while, took off, but he was, yeah, he was quite big and he was very curious. That was, that was the only time where I felt nervous. Mm. Wow. And I, I think when you're away from the reef, when you're down low and you're on the reef, you feel a lot more secure than when you're out in open water and a shark is yeah. circling you as well. Well, isn't it? I, well, probably this will be totally wrong, um, I'm sure. But do they not have a very good eyesight? So I believe from what I understand that bull sharks are supposed to, there's, there's, they say that bull sharks do, but bull sharks uh, swim in fresh water as well as salt water, which is why they can go up streams. And I think the idea for that comes from they're in low visibility and so, right. so they can't see then. I know that when a shark, I think most sharks, when they bite, they've got a lens that comes over their eyes. Yeah. The point of opening their mouth to bite, they can't see. Yeah. I know that's the thing, but in terms of their general quality of vision, I'm not actually sure. Because um, I don't know whether they get, com um, whether they're not sure what we are in the water, uh, especially for free diving. And because, you know, you see a lot of these uh, wetsuits, they're very dark, aren't they? And a lot of, sometimes they've got patterns and they're fish like, you know, aren't they? Fish like. Yeah. And you think, well, in poor viz or something, is it not sure? It wouldn't, if it was, if we were pretty you know, easy to spot, they'd probably be thinking, whoa, it's a human, I'm going to just keep out of the way of them. Yeah, but, that does not look like my normal food. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just wondering if they are curious and hungry, um, could they get you a bit confused with a with something else, you know, in the water, like a, a large seal or something like that, you know? Well, you, you'd see when, and the guides would sort of tell me that the sharks go through different stages of curiosity. So they'll swim and visually check you out and yeah. then they'll come and kind of like bump you with their nose. So, um, and they would do that with the rocks as well. When they're looking for their food, they'd bump and then sort of like the final stage was, okay, well, I'll have a little bite and see what this is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
you know, obviously <laughs> a dive guide, you don't want to get to the third stage. But, no. but no, they, they teach you how to redirect the sharks if they do really approach you and go to bump you. Um, I never had to do that, but they basically say to put the hand on top of the nose and push it down and away. Yeah. Um, so, and I've seen the guides do that occasionally and the sharks seem to just move on with no problems. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure how confident I would be. To- <laughs> well, you do yeah. what you do, don't you? Yeah. Uh, you know, at the time. Yeah. So mm. what about any other marine life? Did you see any other like big pelagic fish? So I was cursed on this dive trip and I don't know if anyone else has had the curse. So my main role was to survey the reef. Right. Big stuff is you go to like the drop off in deep water. So I did all the reef dives, but I didn't always go on the pelagic dives because I didn't want to take space from customers if they wanted to die. So if it was quiet, I'd go along. Every single dive I went on, they didn't really see anything. Oh, no. I got so excited because the one thing I wanted to see was a thresher. Yeah. They see them quite commonly and they've got these amazing footage. They get very regularly amazing footage of these thrushes and stuff. And, and so I was like, I'm there for a month. My chances have to be pretty high. No. Um, so, and people would come back on the dives that I hadn't been on. Oh, yeah, we saw a thresher. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, God, it's one of the, I'm that person, aren't I? <laughs> I Is there a particular guess. reason why you want to see a thresher shark then? Just from my understanding, I don't know anywhere else in the world where you regularly see them. And they they really, especially at the time of year when I was there, they, they're just there hanging yeah. out. So most people saw them on dives and they're just they're just really cool looking sharks as well. They've got like great big eyes that make yeah. them like puppy dogs and then their long tails and things. Um, so, yeah, I just I really wanted to see one, but... It wasn't to be. Well, it's always next time. Yeah, hopefully the next time. But they've had a really good season. So they get they also get the giant oceanic manta rays. So not the reef mantas, the really big ones. They get wow. um and seen footage of that as well since I was there. And people saw whale sharks and things. But for me, the pelagic um marine life evaded me that trip. But around the island, uh, I saw quite a few sharks. Um, so obviously we saw the tiger sharks and things. Um, and then you have like silver tip sharks and reef sharks and things like that were sort of hanging out. Um, but mostly for me, it was just looking at like the really cool fish diversity. Yeah. There's no fish, there's no like um local fisheries for parrotfish and things like that. Yeah. So I was like fully geeking out like <laughs> Yeah, because you know you're parrotfish, parrot don't you? Yeah, I was just like, oh my god, there's like <laughs> parrotfish and like Captain Parrotfish and all of these different ones, just like, and so many of them. Like, it was really cool. Um, so the reef fish was awesome, um, and it was really fun to survey the corals again. It was a while since I'd done it, so I had to really brush up on it. And a lot of the coral surveying I did in Seychelles, and you'd have corals that like you learn by pictures but after being there for two years I still hadn't seen them and then I was out in Fubamula and I was like oh that's what that looks like like I saw them so yeah it was I geeked out hard it was really cool all right here's a geeky question for you then do you remember any of the sounds coming from the reef 
Well, yeah, you had Tim on, didn't you, talking about the sounds? Mm. We did. So, yeah, did you did you remember any of the sounds? I mean, I'm not a specialist, so I can't pick out specific sounds. You know, I, I remember hearing... Did you stop and pause and think, wow, let's have a listen? I'm afraid I didn't. Um, I just, I didn't take the time to stop and hear the music. Um, I like that. We had a very ambitious survey protocol, so we wanted to collect as much data as possible. Um, and so I was very much focused on, on what I had to do. But there is something as divers we should do more of. You know, we uh, last episode we had Jessica Mitchell on, mm. and she was talking to us about diving with the rebreather. Okay. Um, and I was very conscious when we were diving at the farms last weekend how much noise comes from open open circuits mm. and the effect that have on you know just you know we're you, you try and get a nice photo of a seal don't you you know and the farns is great for the seals but as soon as you breathe out you know you it does and you can mm. see their reaction and then bubbles and you <coughs> hear and that noise does ruin it um, yeah so the thresher sharks apparently are very sensitive to to being spooked by things, and I would I think that's a perfect example of where that would be great because you know any sort of noise would set them off, and so if yeah. you breather and you have you know just chilling on the reef, yeah, amazing life that would just come up to you. On another boat, there was some people diving, um, and they would have been in shallow waters. To be fair as most of the dives are, you know, on the fire lines, if you're just bobbing about looking at seals, um, most of it's, what, uh, within about five metres, isn't it? Yeah. And there were a couple of rebreathers. Yeah, we saw a couple of guys. And you think, well, it's not a bit OTT, but then when you actually think about it, yeah, if you want decent photos or video work, you probably would want to be on a rebreather, even if it's just really shallow water, because or if you're not going to free dive it, um, you're going to do away with them bubbles. Mm. I don't know how mainstream rebreathers are these days. It seems to be becoming a lot more common, but it's... Getting that way, yeah. Yeah, it's not... Seems doesn't seem to be like you can just walk up to a dive shop and be like, hey, I want to dive rebreather. No, I don't know enough about them, to uh, be honest. Mm. And um, But I, I, I kind of do get it, you know, the reasons why. You know, if you're really into... Yeah, and I think it'd be amazing to see wildlife behaving as they are and not by the reaction of our input, if that makes Mm. sense. You know, because uh, do do some of the sharks, do some of the other animals, you know, even in the UK, are they... uh, are we just seeing how they behave once they see us blowing out bubbles and stuff? Mm. And unless you do a lot of free diving and go- and um, snorkeling, you probably won't see that unless you're on a rebreather. Yeah, you'd have to have good breath control to have a proper free dive like that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a couple when I was in French Polynesia that had their own rebreather set up and they would go diving and they would have pictures of the dolphins that they would wow they would see really clearly but the dolphins were very nervous so i know in some parts of the world you can go on a boat and you can get in the water and they'll swim with you that absolutely wasn't the case in morea if you wanted to get near to them you basically had to shut your engine off and go really slowly and 
and then as soon as they were spooked so easily yeah you could dive and see them was incredible and and like you're right it probably is because of the rebreather and like not having the bubbles and just commanding a completely different presence I guess yeah yeah I think there's something um I want to do a bit more is actually in my dives especially in the sea um is actually pause and just listen and use my ears a bit more mm. rather than because I, I, I it's so, something that we don't do enough of is listen to the sound. And when we had Tim on, it was fascinating hearing those sounds and him talking about how he recorded it. And you mm. think, wow, yeah, that is something we should do more of. And how, how like, sorry, Gemma, you can... no, I was going to say it's planned for the Farn Islands next time then. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You should take him with you and get him to break down all the sounds because when he was describing some of the sounds and then he was like, that's what that is. It was like, oh, I know, I remember hearing that sound in a dive. Oh, cool. So it's like, that's a shrimp or that grunting noise is a fish or whatever. Like, Yeah, yeah. yeah he was on about fish farting and all sorts. Is it? <laughs> fish farting. <laughs> I missed that. Potentially, <laughs> potentially, because GoPros capture sound quite well. But potentially, as a simple test, you could set a GoPro up somewhere and then go back and collect it in about after about five minutes. So it, was, it wouldn't be picking up your bubbles oh, and your sounds, mm. would it, like that? Well, I did that for part of my PhD was I put cameras out to film the fish grazing so I could count how many bites they took and work out the grazing rates and stuff. And you can hear in the background all the crackling and of the shrimps and things. So, yeah, I mean, I should maybe be like, hey, Tim, do you want some free data? That must be quite <laughs> fascinating to work that out. Yeah, I, but I don't know the quality of the sounds that they need to, like, to analyse it, <coughs> figure out what it is. Um, but no, certainly as a diver, if you just want to like listen back to your footage and then you suddenly are like, hang on a minute, there's a lot of sound going on there. And yeah rather than just your bubbles every now and then coming out. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. give us all something to think about, really, for this. Yeah, well, it sounds an amazing experience, yeah, out there. So and hopefully you'll be able to go back. Well, the hope is, but um, so one of the things that Inner wants to do is empower the local people. So, um, again, like, he has Humpty there, who's one of the first female yeah. DMs in Maldives. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she's great. She's been organising, like, women's week when it's like two women out there women in scuba and and really kind of like representing women but also like women that wear the hijab and things so representing a lot of minorities like scuba diving is for everyone um and so so what i would ultimately love to do is to maybe go back there for a couple of weeks and actually train hampty or someone local and mm-hmm. then to do the monitoring um that, that would be awesome because um, rather than it being what people call parachute science, which is where people from like Western countries drop they it come in. later and go away, um, it would be much more beneficial to put the power in the hands of the people that live there and, and it's their resource. So, um, yeah, if I, if I have time to go and run like a workshop or whatever to do some training, that would, that would be great. Um, I know, She's learning, she's learning reefs. Oh, oh God, what's reef check? 
She's learning reef check so that they can do that. Um, I mean, reef check is not super comprehensive, but it covers a lot of the main kind of like ways to monitor reef diversity. Yeah. 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 Just yeah and with her outreach and her social media influence, she's one of the perfect people, isn't she? Because she's just got that capture and kind of can influence all the people out there as well. Yeah. I was just going to drop in uh, to the conversation that we had, uh, Humpty, so Hamna Hussain, if anyone want to look her up, uh, in October last year, uh, up episode 94. Yeah. And uh, that is a, another really good episode to uh, download and listen to for people who now listen to this, go back to that as well. Yeah. With her enthusiasm, which is replicated by you as well, it's just, a, it must be an amazing place to dive. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I really encourage lots of people to go there. Um, and really go with pelagic divers. So the dive shop that I was with, because these are the guys that are really pushing for it to be sustainable. Um, and like, you know, their hashtag is like dive with locals and support like the local economy and things. So, And like I said, you know, rather than thinking about profits, they're thinking about doing what's right. So they want to have like everything done in the right way. So How refreshing is that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the business is booming, like Inna said, like, especially with social media, like the sharks of Fubamula, the tiger sharks, is just the footage they get is incre- incredible. And they have so many followers, which inspires yeah. to go there. Um, but yeah, they just want to make sure now that it's not too crazy and that, you know, we, we protect what, you know, what's there. So yeah. Yeah, so go, go with pelagic divers. I really pelagic divers. Okay, are they on? I presume they're on like Instagram or. Yeah, follow yeah. them on Instagram, and you want to go instantly because yeah, some of the stuff they the footage they come up is incredible. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, no, it's great, great advert for the place, and uh, yeah, the conservation of the place as well. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm just very keen to talk about it because it's very refreshing to have people to be so motivated. To, to really protect you can tell because it comes to the local Maldivian people this drive yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well it's got to come from them isn't it that's mm-hmm. it, you know um, it's right for getting support from other parts of the world but they're the ones that's, who that's their back gardens their back yeah garden, so it's their it home. Come from them. yeah yeah but yeah incredible sunsets it was wonderful to go to and the other thing is like it's not super developed so you still feel like you're on this like beautiful little paradise island in the middle of nowhere and they got to keep that everywhere yeah yeah so hopefully the magic of like will stay yeah yeah no well it's really great and great to hear about it and hopefully yeah a lot more people will follow the journey yeah of the island as well and the yeah conservation of it yeah we want to say thank you for coming on uh and you know coming back on and you know giving us this and uh you know always come back on and uh you know in the future to talk about other things that you're doing because i know you're always you know involved in different different things aren't you you know such as this so that'd be really good yeah and maybe there'll be some projects to do with edna and my new job that uh, yes doing so yeah fingers crossed yeah yeah best of luck in your new job as well yeah thank you very much guys yeah it was great to see you yeah that's great thanks for coming on yeah thanks so much really good no worries excellent hopefully see you soon now that does wrap up today's episode of the big scuba podcast but 
if you want to hear more from the podcast, make sure you hit that subscribe or follow button depending on what platform you are listening on. That way, you will never miss an episode from us. But if you are listening on Apple Podcasts and did enjoy what you heard today, we would really appreciate it if you head to the show page to leave a five-star rating and review. It really does help us. If you do, please take a screenshot of that review and send it to us on Instagram and we'll give you a shout out to say a big thank you. If you have any questions for us or anything that has been mentioned in today's episode, be sure to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms or send us an email. The links are in the show notes. We will get back to you no matter what. If you have made it to this point in the episode, we both want to say a big, big thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode.